This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. And I'm Juliet Jacobs, a biologist turned photographer. Shen Li began his career in Northern California as an environmental educator before moving to Sarawak in 1996, which has been his base ever since. Using the power of photography to help more of us understand the beauty and wonders of nature, his works are also a powerful reminder of all the natural history that needs protection as we face the dual crises of biodiversity loss and climate change. Shen Li's latest exhibition titled Masters of Disguise is a photography exhibition at GMBB and features the art of deceit in nature through camouflage and mimicry. And he joins me now to tell more. Welcome, Shen Li. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on your program. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today. So just want to say right off the bat, I went to catch the exhibition uh, over the weekend with my kids. You know, we all really enjoyed it, you know, trying to see the animals, you know, which you captured. And I want to find out how long it took you to do all of that. So we're going to get to that. But maybe just for starters, you know, you've been in this line of work uh, for for many years now, right? I mean, uh, since you were young. But tell me, how is it that you got interested in nature? Uh, You know, what got you interested in natural and our natural environment? environment. Sure. Yeah. I get that asked this question a lot. Um, photography is actually not something that I sought out to do from the get-go. It was a, basically a means to an end. So um, I basically have been interested in the natural world ever since I was a child. I was one of those kids who was inseparable with their butterfly net running around all the gardens in the neighborhood, seeing what interesting discoveries I could make. And I was very fortunate to have parents that encouraged this throughout my whole life. They've, they haven't asked me to go into law or business or anything like this. And I wanted to be an entomologist or a biologist. And uh, everywhere I went, it was always nature focused. So eventually this led me to uh, a job in environmental education in California. It was one of the regional parks not far from where I grew up that I worked as a naturalist for four years. And this opened up a whole new world of, you know, not just, for example, insects, that was my first passion, but into plants and birds and mushrooms, basically everything. And I realized that the entire natural world was, uh, you know, my playground, my interest. And I wanted to do something that involved this interest for the rest of my life. So I uh, I completed a degree in ecology and evolution, and at a very opportunistic time, got a uh, a job offer to come out to Malaysia, uh-huh. to Kuching specifically, and uh, this job was working with tropical plants, pitcher plants, pitcher which plants, yeah. a lot of Malaysians are familiar with, and uh, to help set up an artificial propagation uh, laboratory and help to develop this 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 program which it proved to be a very interesting job but it it really um it piqued my interest with rainforests and if you're a, a child growing up in a you know north america or europe the rainforest is some exotic location especially if you're interested in nature it's like the holy grail the <laughs> promised land and i had always wanted to come out to the tropics but i didn't know that I would actually be living there. And uh, Kuching quickly became my home. And I, I worked in this job for, let's see, it was about almost seven years, if I remember correctly. 
and I realized during the course of that that although I loved working with pitcher plants, um, it was a bit too narrow of a scope for me. Okay. And I was interested in everything from, you know, frogs to insects to whatever. And, and I found that nature photography, which had always been a hobby, uh, especially when I'd been, you know, exploring tropical places, that um, it was a, a means to get back to my original passion, which was, you know, a diversity of the natural world as well as tying that back into my interest in environmental education. Because photography is a fundamental way to convey appreciation, understanding uh, of the natural world. Yep. And uh, I found, especially, you know, traversing, you know, rainforests, not just in Borneo, but all over Southeast Asia and increasingly abroad in the tropics, you know, all around the world, that I was coming across these such amazing things that uh, photography was a means to share these and to, to, to convey that passion and, and hopefully get others equally enthusiastic about this. So um, it quickly became a, a career of mine. This was, geez, um, I think 2003 was when I sort of, decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to see if I can, I know it's tough to be a wildlife photographer, but there's a lot of challenges, but I'm going to give it, um, uh, I think I set what, five years and I'm going to either make it or break it. <laughs> and, uh, I really, uh, just jumped right into it and, uh, fortunately have been able to, uh, turn it into a career. Yeah, and and what and it's almost twenty years now, right? Uh, if you started in two thousand and three, so your twentieth anniversary will be coming up next year. I, That's I, right. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I was reading somewhere, and this was something another wildlife photographer said. Basically, that when it comes to wildlife photography, you need to become a good naturalist first. So I suppose that was something that you already had, isn't it? Um, would you agree with that sentiment as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of people who do photography as a hobby and. Many who come across wildlife photography, you know, some people have the approach that, oh, I want to do wildlife photography so I can make money. And mm -hmm. I think that's the wrong approach. I think you need to come at it from a, a love first. It's a, it's, a, it's a labor of love, really. And whether or not you can turn it into a career should be a totally secondary concern. You should do it out of your interest, first and foremost. And... Uh, if you eventually are able to turn into a career, that's great, but it, it's, you can still make valuable contributions to you know, environmental education, to science, to discovery, to so many things uh, without have to actually rely on photography as a means of supporting yourself and your family. Mm -hmm. So um, it's still a, a valuable pursuit. Yeah, definitely. And um, we only see the end products, right? But of course, you know, a lot of us would love to know the story behind capturing uh, all of these beautiful shots in the wild. Maybe you can share a little bit of how you approach wildlife photography while in the jungle. You know, how do you um, ensure that what you do is respectful to the forest, to the landscape, you know, which many call home, uh, humans and wildlife alike? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great questions. Um, well, first and foremost, if you set out to photograph anything in particular, you have to learn about it first. If you want to 
for example, if it's a rare bird or even a rare insect, for example, um, knowing about its life history, about where it's found, its habitats, its behavior, its feeding uh, preferred food plants or whatever. So um, inevitably, you're going to be learning about your subjects one way or another. And, and this, is, this is required to get that shot that you want, for example. Um, and as you understand more about your subject, uh, hopefully you develop a compassion about understanding about this, the, how they're threatened, about what impact you may have on your subject. And this is very important to wildlife photography, especially now as there are thousands and thousands of more photographers every day that are interested in this field. And a lot of people have raised concerns that, you know, there's this huge swarm of uh, nature photographers going out into the landscape and what impact does this have? So that's, that's definitely something that you need to take into account if you're going to be a, an ethical photographer. Mm-hmm. And speaking of uh, how you go into the forest, I mean, a lot of them have communities who live uh, in and around the jungle as well, right? Do you also collaborate with them to gain a better understanding and perhaps uh, a respect of the of the land and the landscape? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, of course, varies a lot depending on where you go. Sure. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of places which, yeah, as you say, are close to native communities. And these are always the best guides to take into the forest either you know it maybe they don't know the particular species of insect you're looking for but they know the lay of the land um there's so much you can learn from them regardless uh, but there are also places you know we do some expeditions that are so remote that there are no indigenous people in some places um and those you have to either bring in assistance if you are doing a big trip or uh, rely on your own experience in the forest to help Okay. All right. And uh, let's just go for one quick break, Shen. When we come back, let's talk about, you know, how you're using your photographs to to educate and to create that, you know, love for nature. I'm speaking today to Shen Lee. He's a wildlife photographer. He's a biologist and a naturalist. We're talking about his work as a wildlife photographer and also how he's using his work to get more of us to understand, you know, what it is that we have, you know, and, and we're losing it, right, quite fast. Uh, so, and his exhibition called Masters of Disguise is happening right now at GMBB. Uh, we'll find out more about that after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me all the way from Sarawak today is Shen Lee. He's a wildlife photographer. He's a biologist. He's a naturalist. Uh, his photo exhibition, Masters of Disguise, is happening right now at GMBB. It's a photography exhibition which uh, focuses on the art of deceit in nature through camouflage and mimicry. Uh, it is his follow-up exhibition, if I can say that, to his Borneo's Tree of Life, which was just uh, held over at GMBB as well. So we're finding out more about Shen's work. Um, so, you know, before the break, I was asking you about how you can be more respectful and, you know, how you actually approach wildlife photography. Now, can we talk a little bit about some of the things that you have um, uh, captured, you know, uh, through your lens? Uh, some very interesting things, you know, when I was looking through, I mean, like I said, I went through your work, some really amazing things. Uh, what are some of the, uh, some of the, I suppose, photos or, or uh, animals or insects that you've captured that, you know, we've probably never seen before? You were one of the first people to actually uh, capture it uh, and let us know about it. Oh, yeah. Well, being in a place like Borneo in the rainforest, there are so many things that have never been photographed before. So we really are lucky in Malaysia to have a, a treasure trove of incredible organisms, plants and animals, that um, a, a lot of which 
have never been you know portrayed before in imagery. Um, so it is it's very exciting to come across something that uh, has never been been photographed in such a way. There are of course new species, and those are always exciting discoveries. Uh, there are, geez, the number of times we've come across species that have no names before you really lose track of it because virtually every expedition you come across something that either is new or quite likely is new. And, uh, that, that never ceases to amaze you. Mm -hmm. I think the general public really doesn't quite usually grasp just how many new species are out there. I mean, some estimates are that we have actually named as little as 20% of the organisms of the biodiversity on our planet. There are still millions, literally millions that have not been uh, documented by science. You know, we may, get, may see a headline here and there about a new species being discovered, blah, blah, blah. But their actual number of new species being described every year is somewhere in the range of 15 to 20,000 species, wow. worldwide, of course. Yeah. And the rainforests are particularly where a lot of this is taking place. So it's not unusual to come across something that is unnamed, and but very exciting to be have the opportunity and the honor of being able to photograph it. So these are things I really like to share with people, for sure. And, and there's one that uh, actually we spoke about on this show, and I spoke about it with uh, Dr. Lau Yaohua, and I didn't I didn't make the connection that it was your photograph, actually. And this was about a species of tarantula that was uh, found in Borneo at the time, and uh, you were one of the first to uh, photograph uh, this this spider. Can you tell me a little... Can you just remind us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, this was uh, actually if I remember correctly, about four years ago, five years ago, yeah. um, we were on a night walk as we often go into the forest at night. And a, a, there were a couple of us and we came across this incredible tarantula with metallic, brilliant blue legs, something I had never seen before. I'm not a tarantula expert myself. So of course we took photos of this and I, when I returned home, I sent some of these photos to a tarantula expert overseas to get it identified. And he responded basically saying that this is undoubtedly a new species, if not a new genus. So very, very excited to have come across this. We could not find any photos online anywhere. No record of anybody having seen something quite like this. Interestingly enough, there are blue-legged tarantulas in other parts of the world. And I, it is very serendipitous, but at the same year, a, a blue-legged tarantula had been discovered in, I want to say Guyana, somewhere in the neotropics. So it's, it's not uh, unheard of that there are blue-legged tarantulas, but from Borneo, uh, this was the first known. So we posted some photos of this on social media. We did not reveal where we had photographed it. And uh, I, there was later some erroneous citations saying that we had given the full location in the metadata of the photo. This is incorrect. We completely hid the location. We said something like only it was in Southern Sarawak or something like that, if I remember correctly, which uh, we thought was enough to protect the locality of this spider. But also underestimated the rabid 
response from tarantula collectors who, um, after seeing these photos, immediately must have been salivating at the mouth and, you know, wanting to own this spider. So I think Yao Hua, well, he did a very good story about this whole issue. And uh, if you've talked to him, you know the story behind that. Basically, to, to make the story short, that it was not long after that that some collectors from Europe came to Malaysia to collect this spider. And they did manage to find it and brought some back to Europe and sold them for hundreds of euros a piece, um, which apparently there is a huge demand for this on the pet trade. Now, we have since discovered, now, there was a little bit of a criticism well you to the photographers saying that oh we gave the location actually we did not give the location and in fact uh there were even some people speculating oh the the leaves in the background of our photos gave away the location well i can tell you from living here 25 years and knowing the forest very well that did not give away the location and in fact since we found that spider at that one location it has been found in many locations. Mm -hmm. So we don't even know if those collectors went to the same spot we had photographed it. It could have been one of these many spots. So uh, I don't think that was an issue in posting the photo. And you do have to, but nevertheless, it was a wake up call because you do have to keep in mind the issues that uh, there are threats, you know, poaching, various things. For example, there are a lot of other animals that are extremely endangered, you know, verging on the brink of extinction in the wild because of poaching, such as a helmeted hornbill, pangolins, um, just to name a few. And these are animals we, we are very, very careful about revealing any location. We don't, we don't, uh, make it public when we have cited any of these. So it does it does give you a reminder of how risky sometimes uh, these things can be. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely a wake up call. Yeah, to the issues that uh, yeah. Yeah, your responsibility as well, right? As a wildlife exactly. photographer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was an interesting yeah, biopiracy. That's something that that came up in that whole conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yes, and but you know, of course, you know, there's this uh, that Malay saying. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Tak kenal maka tak cinta. If you don't know it, you won't love it, right? So, uh, and that's something we always say about you know Malaysia's natural uh, environment. You know, we just don't know so much. We are a part of you know the most mega diverse nations in the world. We have so much, like you said. Um, how do you say your photography complements and promotes environmental conservation? Uh, how, um, what role does it play? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, basically, you know, you have a choice of, of not sharing any photos or (laughs) sharing photos, right? So obviously if we don't share, if we don't tell people what is out in the forest, uh, no one's going to appreciate as the, as the saying goes. So, um, this is a fundamental way that photography can help to change people's awareness and understanding of the natural world is by, you know, not only making them aware that that such biodiversity exists, but to help bring about a sense of wonder, you know, something that that makes them go, "Wow, that's that's amazing! I had no idea that was there." Or, and and ultimately, this has the potential to make people consider about what they can do to help ensure that this 
natural world continues, that we're not destroying it. So yes, photography has a huge role to play in this respect. We are by nature, extremely visual organisms. I mean, seeing is believing, right? Humans, you know, if you don't see it, you know, you're less likely to, to take an interest in it or to believe that it's real, but actually seeing something can have a huge impact. And this is true for, obviously, video is a big thing. There's some wonderful nature documentaries being produced now, but still photos also have a huge impact. So, yeah, I think that's the responsibility of every nature photographer, to be honest, is um, helping your photos uh, make a difference. Um, and that's a responsibility that you have. You are, you are in essence, because the natural world can't really speak for itself, it doesn't have a voice, you are acting as the voice for the voiceless. For sure. And, you know, on that, you know, our big animals, like the, our tigers, our elephants, they tend to get a lot of attention, right? Our, our uh, megafauna and our iconic species. What are some unsung heroes that, that you never tire of uh, trying to photograph or that, that are your, some of your particular favourites? <laughs> yeah, for sure, the big animals always attract more attention. Um, everybody wants to come to Borneo to see orangutan and wild elephants and hornbills. But there are so many amazing creatures in the rainforest that, you know, the smaller things I think don't get as much attention as they deserve. And that's one of the things I tried to show in this exhibition. You know, when you talk about, especially the camouflage and mimicry, there are some larger organisms that exhibit these adaptations, but really the real stars of this show are the smaller creatures, a lot of insects, spiders, other invertebrates. And I think increasingly so people are, taking a greater interest in this. Um, kids, by nature, are always interested in bugs and creepy crawlies. So, you know, it's they're an easy audience for this kind of thing. But um, I think a lot of it also, you know, when you look back over the past 15 years of the rise of digital photography, there are swarms of macro photographers now. Uh, it's becoming a huge hobby and interest by so many people. So a lot more people are taking an interest in the smaller majority, as we say. <laughs> okay. Ah, I must remember that phrase, the smaller majority. <laughs> so there, there is growing uh, interest as well. And um, is there any particular animal that you would like to capture that you haven't quite captured yet? Oh, this is a big problem with wildlife photography is the more you see, the more you realize your bucket list is just getting longer and longer and longer. I, 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 I don't even know where to start to answer that. Okay. There are countless things I still want to see, even here, right in Malaysia. But um, yeah, there are just so many things. Okay. Yeah, your work is far from done, lah. Let's just put yes. it that way. Yeah. And you know, some I've spoken to other wildlife uh, photographers as well, and you know, they've told me some stories where which show it isn't exactly the safest job in town. There are many dangers associated with wildlife photography. Have you had any close encounters? You know, while on a shoot or in an expedition, anything that you'd like to share with us? Um, yeah, I get this question a lot. I think it's it's a bit of a funny question because I don't want to give the idea that there's anything inherently dangerous in the rainforest. Sure. In fact, I am a firm believer that the rainforest is a much safer place than the city. You know, you're not going to get mugged. You're not going to get hit by a car. Um, and 
by far and away, dangers from people are much greater than anything you're going to encounter in the forest. Now, there are that doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable at times. I know there are, you know, leeches and mosquitoes, of course, things that, you know, are annoying. But this may be a different answer to your question if you're talking about somebody who's, you know, photographing in Africa where there are a lot of bigger animals than you out there. But for example, in the Bornean rainforest, it is very safe. By and large, it's very safe. The biggest dangers I think that um, anybody would face are not being prepared to be outdoors, uh, getting lost, for example. Um, those are those are your biggest threats. But you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, getting eaten by a tiger or, you know, obviously you're not going to go swimming in a in a river with saltwater crocodiles and stuff like this. But um, sure. yeah, I wouldn't say we've had any really close calls in that respect. Um, Sorry, I yeah, think maybe what I meant yeah. to say was actually, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think humans are the, the biggest threat. And I was actually wondering whether you had any encounters with poachers or or those sorts of uh, situations. Oh, right. Yeah, because... Trust me, I'm on. I'm on the same page with you. I think <laughs> animals know and respect us. They'll hear us. They will move away. Right? It's, yeah. it's the people that are the yeah, problem. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, a lot of the questions I get, I get this sometimes at you know when we're hosting an exhibition. Somebody they're expecting something like, "Oh, I nearly stepped on a deadly snake" or <laughs> no. something like this. And no, no I didn't. Yeah, mean that. it's yeah. not really the case. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you understand. Uh, poachers. Uh, I haven't had many encounters with poachers, nothing that I felt uncomfortable with. Um, probably the closest call we've had uh, has been in New Guinea. One time I took a bird watching group uh, into the interior to a new area. I thought I was going to, you know, bring a group to a new area and we're going to, you know, open up this area for ecotourism. But I failed to understand that they were so anti-outsider in this area that they thought the only reason foreigners would come to this area would be to steal gold, which there is gold mining in the area. And uh, they had no concept that people would just come to look at a bird or an animal. So we had to flee basically under threat that these people were convinced we were there to steal their gold and we had to leave immediately. So that was a bit scary, but, um, I think <laughs> that's a rare incident. That it doesn't happen in in Borneo, for example. There's only a few places in the world I think that might occur. Yeah. But yeah, again, brings us back to the the main threat you'd have to face is the people. Yeah, and I guess you know what I was trying to lead you on. That was a leading question. You know, it's a beautiful place to visit. There's nothing to fear in that sense, right? People really need to to give it a shot. You know, yeah, there'll be some things that are uncomfortable, but it is a wondrous place to visit, and we should really support ecotourism and and join tours and things like that. Yeah, to, to exactly, really yeah. yeah, exactly. It couldn't be better said. You know, I think the biggest takeaway anytime we try and showcase these things, the the, the photos in the exhibition, for example is we don't want that to be the end. This is the beginning. We want to this to inspire people to go out on their own into the forest, to, to take this, maybe bring their family to a national park for a picnic, whatever. Um, it's to inspire further action and further interest. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who haven't, who've grown up without the opportunity to experience nature is they may be apprehensive at first. They think, you know, there's it's full of snakes or, or whatever. 
And we just are trying to dispel these illusions that it is not, it is not how you think it might be. It, and it can be very enjoyable and to take the opportunity to go see it for yourself. Yeah. I mean, especially us Malaysians, you know, it's right here in our backyard. You know, people come from all over. I mean, you came, you relocated here <laughs> to, you know, to experience this this uh, holy grail almost, right, of uh, nature. So we should do the same too. Let's just go for one more quick break. Shen, when we come back, let's focus uh, on Masters of Disguise. I'm speaking today to Shen Lee. He's a wildlife photographer. He's a biologist and a naturalist. We're talking about his work as a wildlife photographer. And we're going to find out more about Masters of Disguise, his latest exhibition, which focuses on the art of deceit in nature through camouflage and mimicry. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today from Sarawak is Shen Li. He's a wildlife photographer. He's a biologist and a naturalist. Uh, he's been talking to us about his career as a wildlife educator and also photographer using his photographs as a means of education. And if you'd like to catch his photography, there is an ongoing exhibition called Masters of Disguise, which is happening at the Creative Community Mall GMBB. So it's named Masters of Disguise, of course, because it focuses on mimicry, on camouflage. And, you know, some of the photos are amazing, Shen. I mean, you know, as I was looking at it, I was wondering, how long did it take you to see these guys, uh, you know, hiding and camouflage there? Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is a topic that's interested me for a long time. And I'm really excited to be able to showcase an exhibition with this theme, which is the first time we've done this. And uh, really, when you encounter a creature that may not be exactly what you first think it is, it makes you look twice. Uh, that's a magic experience. And I think some of the most treasured experiences of encountering these creatures are are, they're very memorable. And uh, that's what I'm trying to convey with the photos in this exhibition. So a lot of the pictures are from Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Some are from further abroad to other, from other rainforests. But my goal, again, um, is to have photos that make people look twice, that it's not immediately apparent what you're looking at, that you have to look closer and uh, and, and realize that not everything in nature is exactly what it seems. And this is a common theme throughout the natural world is uh, in order to survive, you have all sorts of strategies. You know, you can run fast, you can fly, you can be poisonous, whatever. But being able to trick a predator or trick your prey, for example, um, it's a common tactic. And it has resulted in some of the most amazing adaptations in the world uh intricate camouflage patterns where organisms look just like leaves or wasp mimics that have no sting themselves that you almost have to be an entomologist to tell it is not a wasp yeah. so yeah these these are fascinating things and what I like about it as well is that, um, you know, some of, as you mentioned, you know, some of it uh, from further abroad, like Ecuador and other countries that you've, other, you know, rainforests that you visited. But there is a, a smaller panel, uh, shall we call it, uh, you know, when you enter the exhibition. Uh, and those tend to show the similarities or, or similar sorts of insects or creatures that we can find in our rainforest. Am I correct? In, am I explaining that correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there are a lot of photos from Malaysia, but in the cases where we had a photo from, say, Madagascar, um, I tried to showcase something similar that was found in Malaysia too. One of the goals of this is also to show that 
there are parallel themes throughout the world that um, strategies that that have evolved completely separately in, say, the rainforests of South America have equal merit in other rainforests, including here. So, of course, the birds are different, the insects are different. Every rainforest you go to around the world, the species are all different, but there are common themes, and camouflage is one of these things. Okay. And can you tell me a little bit about uh, capturing these images? Uh, did you use camera traps? You know, how was, yeah, how, what was the process, I suppose, in capturing some of those that we will see in this particular exhibition? I mean, mimicry, you know, like you said, you have to look twice, right, before you see it? Yes. Well, some of the photos were, I have to say, completely lucky. You know, you never know when you're going to come across something extraordinary. You maybe just be walking and there it is. And other species are those that I had to, you know, spend a lot of time to look for and learn about uh, where they're found, where their feeding habits are. So, um, and those are also very rewarding when you put in that amount of effort to locate something and are able to find it. Um, the last exhibition, Borneo's Tree of Life, I did showcase camera trap photos, but this particular exhibition, we didn't use that. So mo- a lot of these shots are actually macro photos. Some are from larger animals like uh, birds, for example, um, but not camera trapping. And in fact, uh, high-speed photography, like, you know, it's not uh, necessary to portray a lot of these types of stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So the exhibition, of course, is uh, on display at the Darkroom Gallery in GMBB. And um, everything comes with uh, an explanation. You know, uh, there's a story behind it as well. Um, what was it like putting together all those stories, you know, and making it a sort of a narrative in that sense? Because uh, there are also some uh, megafauna that are featured. It's not just insects, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with any exhibition, the most difficult part is actually deciding which photos you're going to use. Um, we have to you know, you're limited to uh, this exhibition. We have 30 panels. So there's around, uh, plus each panel has a, a second photo at the bottom. So we have more than 60 photos. I think the total is 80-something is photos. And I tried to select images that really had an interesting story behind them. A beautiful photo is a beautiful photo. It can stand alone. But coming from a biologist's perspective, Really, for me, the most interesting part about any image is the story that you understand once you learn more about what is being featured there. And some of these stories are amazing. And and like some of the mimicries, for example, and I really wanted to take this opportunity to explain why this is the way it is and, and why it is so remarkable. And uh, some of them really do require, like if we just had a photo, it wouldn't say much, but they require a whole paragraph and a supplementary image to really <laughs> show you how complex this this adaptation is. So I, that's that was my goal with the information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I told you off and I'll say it again, you know, the folks who were with me at the exhibition, you know, was people who I didn't know were really amazed and, you know, really quite mind blown uh, from reading and also from seeing the photographs and like, you know, uh, my kids had a lot of fun actually trying to see where the insect was, you know, for example, if they was hidden so well amongst the foliage or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. a really fun, uh, fun thing to do. Um, so that exhibition is ongoing. Before I let you go, uh, Chen, maybe I just wanted to ask you one thing. So you've been doing this for a long time. Are you 
witnessing any worrying trends in that sense, right? Uh, in the places that you're visiting in terms of like, deforestation or, or biodiversity loss or anything like that, anything at all that you'd like to share? Yes, absolutely. Um, once you get involved with the natural world, you cannot help but to avoid seeing what is happening to it. And this is a problem all over the world, particularly in tropical regions, uh, because tropical regions are mostly within countries that are still developing. And uh, deforestation is, it's not just a local problem, it is a global problem. Um, and, you know, at times it is very disheartening seeing all the loss of habitat, how many species are being added to the endangered species list, um, and being concerned for the natural world, uh, it's easy to feel discouraged seeing these kind of trends. But there is a lot of hope as well. And I think that um, a lot of people underestimate how much of the natural world still is there and still can be saved. And this gives me a lot of inspiration, which is the driving force for why we're doing these kinds of projects, getting more people on board, uh, getting more of the general population to take an interest in the outdoors, in the natural world. And this will hopefully start them on a path towards changing attitudes, which I think is a fundamental requirement before we can start seeing a global shift for the better. Um, there are still places that uh, you can see rainforest stretch to the horizon. There are still places where there are countless undescribed species out there waiting to be documented that we don't even understand are there yet. Um, and there are more and more people taking an interest in this. Um, photography is one of these new trends. Um, a lot of people are learning more about the natural world, maybe just because they decided to pick up a camera and photograph butterflies or whatever. So um, I have hope that uh, we do have time to change this. And I, I, I find encouragement by seeing more and more people with like-minded Okay. And definitely, you know, those wonderful photographs that you take are definitely uh, an asset, you know, in this fight to get more people interested. So the exhibition Masters of Disguise is happening at GMBB's Darkroom Gallery beginning, it started on the 2nd of July and it goes on right up till the 15th of January. Admission is free. Visitors are welcome to walk in or they can pre-book free guided tours during the weekends. I know you were just down last weekend, right, uh, Shen? But uh, I think the, the gallery folks will be there. Um, so do go and catch it. And uh, Shen, you know, if anyone's interested to follow your work, uh, what's the best way that they can do that? Uh, they can follow my Instagram handle, Shen Lee Photography. I have a Facebook as well, but they can find it through there. But um, yeah, and I have a website also, ShenSeeLee.com. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been speaking to Shen Lee. He's a wildlife photographer, biologist and naturalist. If you'd like to find out more about that exhibition, just head to gmbb.com.my. If you'd like to follow Shen, just search for his name on social media. We'll put the links in this podcast. And if you miss any part of our interview today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth, or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.